Welcome to episode 12 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we take a deep dive into the world of sustainability, wellness, and community in the real estate and hospitality sectors. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of BioBlue Eco Yachts, Biophilico Interiors, and Biofit Nature Gyms. If you see value in this type of content, please hit like, share, or consider subscribing. In this episode, we talk to Jonathan Ransom, co-founder and CEO of Square Mile Farms in London, UK, a business that's bringing vertical farming to the home and workplace with the aim of promoting healthier, more sustainable lifestyles. I first came across Jonathan and Square Mile Farms a couple of years ago and have kept an eye on their steady progress since then. As I look after the ESG and placemaking for a commercial real estate development fund in London, I'm aware that their product aligns neatly with both LEED, BRIAM Green Building Certifications on one side, and WELL or FITWELL Healthy Building Certifications on the other, which in turn has the knock-on effect of helping with the property fund's annual ESG assessment score. That means you get two or even three hits for the price of one. Beyond the box ticking though, these mini vertical gardens are genuinely about more than just quirky wall decorations. They represent a tangible connection with nature in urban environments. They have a practical function in terms of producing a respectable quantity of edible leaves and herbs each month, and frankly just go one better than what is often a largely passive uh, vertical plant wall in a corporate office reception. A garden like this helps promote engagement among staff, it adds intrigue, and even, why not, a little fun into the office experience, right when offices need it most in the post-COVID era. Nada mas, that's enough from me. Here is Jonathan Ransom of Square Mile Farms. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Great to have you here on the Green and Healthy Places podcast. Perhaps you could give a quick introduction to who you are and what you do as co-founder and CEO of Square Mile Farms in London. Yeah, okay. Um, so my, my professional background's in, in property. I'm a chartered surveyor by training. Um, I spent uh, a lot of my career working in financial services, though, but with a, with a property slant to it. Um, most recently was the COO of a fintech business in the UK called lend invest um and uh, i think um what 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 got me into doing what i'm doing today and we'll come on to perhaps a bit more of a description of what what that is but is that um i got a little bit disenfranchised by the world of, of finance and and I, I guess you know you 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 there's an obvious career route in in financial services but ultimately it can be a little bit under satisfying and I was looking for a career in a in a in a sector that that's more personally rewarding and fulfilling. Um, and my um now business partner Patrick Dumas um, and I got talking about this prospect of um growing fresh healthy vegetables in the built environment which played nicely to my professional experience with the built environment. And um I guess the the backdrop to all of that is a both of us having a, a, a pretty, um, you know, uh, let's say be, being a little bit conscious or even worried about the state of our agri-food sector and the impact that that has on our, on the environment, but also on our personal health. 
And so the, the, the name Square Mile Farms, for anyone uh, who's not familiar with it, uh, Square Mile is, is London's uh, financial district or CBD. And so essentially you're, you're proposing or you're proposing you, you deliver um, urban vertical farms specifically to London. But what's your geographic focus now? Uh, yeah, at the moment we're we're focused on London, and the, the genesis of that that name was really that the, the original business model was to look at putting controlled environment farms within a square mile of the end consumer, which naturally then cuts down on food miles, but also re-engages the the consumer with the, with the food system and the, the food they eat. It also has benefits on the nutritional content of the food as well, because uh, food tends to lose some of its nutritional qualities. Um, the further it travels, um, so that that was really the genesis of, of Square Mile Farms. O- obviously, also because we're based in London, and it was going to be a very urban model. Um, uh, so you know that's that's why that name came about. And the business model then focusing specifically on homes and offices. You're not in the game as yet of of sort of agriculture itself, i.e., growing food for for sale and distribution. It's more about a provision of the this piece of, of hardware, effectively, that produces greenery in a home or in an office environment. Yeah, well, I may, maybe I'll just take a quick moment to um, take you back uh, over some of the history of the business. So we've been around uh, for a couple of years now, and the, the original um, model was a grow-to-sell model. Um, and we we set up our first um, self-built controlled environment farm in, in Bermondsey back in uh, towards the beginning beginning of 2019 and we we tested that market you know growing within the built environment to sell to local restaurants and local chefs and local consumers ultimately as well and uh, so we built what we called a flat pack farm which and the idea was that it's something that can easily be easily assembled or disassembled within tight urban spaces um, and it became quite apparent quite quickly that that model of growing to sell um, is is very hard to make work economically, particularly if you're not doing it at, at large scale. And most of the controlled environment farms that you see are doing it on, on massive scale. But even, even they, I think, would be struggling to kind of turn a profit based on their operational overheads as of today. But what, what that meant was that we we quickly turned to what we knew a bit more. Um, and, and that what we knew was more about um, corporates, big corporates, and, um, uh, and and the built environment, and got talking to a big property company called British Land in, uh, over here in the UK, and and uh, they invited us to build one of our flat pack farms on the roof of their um, a building in uh, Paddington Central, um, and it actually just so happens that Microsoft occupy the building that that we have that farm on the roof of. But whilst we were there, we were then able to you know, talk to a lot of the big local occupiers, such as Vodafone, Visa, you know, Microsoft, Richland. And it became quite apparent that what they really wanted was uh, something that helped them engage with their employees to create an experience for their employees, but also help to dress some of their kind of sustainability and, um, and uh, say, um, community responsibilities um, and so we came up with this idea of um, office farming. Um, and the idea with office farming is that we put a, a hydroponic farm up inside the office. Um, 
and run um, basically an engagement model around it. So we get the employees involved in the running of the farms. Uh, they get to take home the fresh produce, but we also educate them on sustainability um, and, and personal health, both physical and, and mental health, with a focus on the food you eat, uh, where it's coming from, how it's been produced, um, how you consume it, what it does to your body, those sorts of things. So it's going beyond the kind of, it's the sustainability of the building that we're located or it has some benefits um, for that also, but also helps a company, um, say, educate their workforce on how they can live healthier, lower impact lifestyles. So I, mean, I was going to ask you for a clarification on, on or a distinction between what's commonly referred to as, say, like a, a vertical garden wall or, or a, yeah, a, a, green, um, a green wall, which obviously in one sense plays to biophilia, it plays to reconnecting with nature in an urban environment. Possibly uh, it can play into um, productivity and potentially an air purifying benefit. But clearly, once you open the door to um, these being you know, consumable uh, natural uh, leaves, you, you, you open a whole discussion around the food system and relationship to food and urban farming, which is clearly where you, you sort of make a big right turn away from just being a decorative object, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's a lot of benefits of having plants in buildings, as you touched on, and and, and, uh, and there's this, this phrase or word biophilia is, is banded around quite a lot at the moment. But ultimately, well, it boils down to two things. One is, how does it improve the environment in which you are so whether that's within the office or um at home and that environment is both about you know air quality um uh air quality can be around acoustics it can be around um you know just having greenery in the office as an ornamate benefit to the office but it but on the on the flip side this this biophilia benefit which is a that that kind of goodness that humanity gets from being with nature and, and interacting with nature and that's a very can can, can be a, a psychological thing but it's also a physiological thing so it's um you you feel better for reason for 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 reasons of you know i think thousands of years of evolution alongside nature um the the benefit of um having edible plants in the office is that that interaction becomes enhanced so if you've just got a green wall um that looks great you know there's a novelty there it does look great and it, pro it does have some benefits in terms of the kind of quality of the air etc in the office but you're not interacting with it you don't you don't have that same interaction that naturally we might have with with nature whereas if it's an edible farm wall you do interact with it. You're you're harvesting it. You're eating the produce from it. You're you're helping to plant it up. So every time you walk past it, you see the fruits of your labour, and you get a sort of satisfaction from that. Um, so it 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 goes further than just sort of urban greening. Let's say it brings in that element of engagement and 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 inexperience, and um, you know. It's, it's a physical activity as well, so it does it has some physical benefits as well. So when you think about the problem that you were solving or the, the, the unmet need that you were trying to address when you when you got started on this. What 
what, if you like, would be your competitors in that sense? Or what else is in is typically in an office or a corporate office environment, such as a Microsoft or wherever it may be, that is doing something similar? Because you know, obviously, the walls have more of a passive element, whereas you're talking much more about an experiential piece, right? Yeah. Uh, so I guess what well, might be worth just just um, dwelling quickly on who the buyers of the service are, services. Are. So, so one of the buyers would be um, someone that's responsible for fitting out the office space and making it look good and making it work well for the employees. The other buyer is, uh, and, and sort of competitors that might fall into that space might be your typical kind of office um, or interior um, landscaping um, companies. On the, on the other side, the buyers are the, you know, the HR team is responsible for employee well-being and engagement and, and even recruitment and retention. Um, and they're more interested in the kind of engagement and the experience element of it. Um, so on that side, the people that, that I guess we might come across in terms of com- competition for budgets, let's say, spoil it down to that, would be your people like, you know, Nuffield Health, for instance. Um, the thing about that, that, that and, they're, and they're providing a well-being service around that's focused on, let's say, fitness and exercise. The, the thing about someone like Nuffield Health is, of course, they're taking you out of the office to 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 get that experience. What we're doing is keeping you in the office, which really plays to the kind of the future of uh, the future vision of that people have of the office post COVID. We're keeping you in the office to, and creating an experience for you in the office, which can get you away from your desk, create some physical activity, create some mental activity, takes you away from the kind of day to day thinking about you know, what's on your computer screen. Um, but then alongside that, we do also provide other services such as workshops and might be, you know, nutritional consultations and we do supper clubs and things like that, which is, again, some of those things you'd expect enough field health type business to offer alongside the gym membership. Um, so th- there is some um, similarities, let's say, but but we, we feel that our model combines so many different of the different let's say, um, uh, needs of a, of a big corporate. I think the activation piece is, is a really strong component to, to what you're doing, to, to the sort of overall service offer. You mentioned COVID. I mean, how have things been? I'm guessing budgets have been reduced, offices have been closed, therefore it's had a direct impact on perhaps new orders or perhaps, um, yeah, your, your pipeline of, of potential clients. But how, how are you seeing the next twelve to twenty-four months in a in a post-COVID world? And how do you think your product will will emerge from the ashes of this current crisis that the workplace is going through? Um, so I think that the world is looking for the type of services that we offer. Fortunately, uh, admittedly. The last, say, nine months have been challenging, mainly because um, the types of the people that hold the budgets for this this type of uh, service are really need to have some visibility on when people will come back to the office. Um, but they're also going through, you know, a, a pretty um, involved process of trying to think about what they want their office to be for in the future. And I think even before COVID, there was this shift towards, um, you know, more experiential office places that are less about places where people come and sit behind a computer screen like a battery hen and churn out 
work um, because you can do that at home, frankly. Um, it's more about uh, engaging and um, let's say growing your workforce um, and about experiences and about interactions. And um, so consequently, you know, the, of the office of tomorrow will be full of things that help foster those type of activities. Um, they won't they won't be crammed full of desks uh, uh, where people perch with their laptops. They'll 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 be more loungy in in um, in uh, a, a appearance. And so uh, you know one one thing we've been working on with um, Vodafone in in Paddington is this idea of a Zen garden, uh, which is the, you know their their idea um, where they create create a, a kind of area for people to relax and chill out and. Um, where, what better kind of place to put a allotment wall um, than than in a in a Zen garden within within the within the office? So it's um, um, you know it's very it's very topical, and a lot of a lot of companies that we talk to now have task forces put together that are tasked with making the office suitable for the post COVID world, and and uh, so. So it seems that there's there's quite a lot of activity going on in terms of reconfiguring, uh, refitting spaces to make to make it appropriate for that post COVID world, and and that's where we fit in, um, because they they want something novel. Uh, you know, lots of offices of the past might have ping pong tables or table football or computer consoles or or whatever, but um, you know, a, a, an office farming model brings both the experience, but also the educational side. Um, and, and, and it ticks a lot of boxes from a kind of office sustainability perspective as well. Yep. I get it. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's engaging. It's, it's a talking point. It's, it's a water cooler moment in a way. Uh, so just to dig into, to that process, then the idea of, you know, you might have HR on one side, perhaps sort of, you know, brand director or marketing guys on the other, perhaps the facilities manager or management team around the table. Who else is is involved in that process when you go from identifying a, a suitable location and perhaps you might be able to comment on what would, would make up a suitable location within an office environment and, and describe that process of going from initial uh, introduction through to actually uh, opening one of your, uh, your your vertical farms, presumably a few months later. Yeah, it, I mean it, it varies depending on where the kind of entry point was to the conversation. But um, I just take one one example. So uh, let's say the office is, the, the the company's looking to uh, refurbish their space in in light of changes that are needed post COVID. Um, they might they the the likelihood is then we're talking to the person responsible for fit out so maybe a you know a, a workplace strategy person or, um you know the, the in the old world we call them kind of corporate real estate managers or something along those lines so um they then obviously will be engaging with their um interior designers um and at some point they you know once they've got an idea of the sorts of things that they can get from us they then introduce us to the interior designers um, we have a chat about where it can go, uh, whether whether we we sort of integrate it into the building services such as the plumbing, or whether we have it as a standalone unit um, that has its own water source. Um, we find the location, and we then talk to the um, contractor about 
you know, what services we do need. And, you know, uh, often if it's a wall hung unit, then we might need a, some reinforcing on the wall. And um, then just sort of uh, bed into that um, project management as the fit out goes along and normally we're the kind of last people in and just mounted on the wall at, at the end um and off it goes planted up and people can then start engaging with it so irrigation uh the load that goes on to to the wall if it is a wall loaded piece so a, preferably sort of a structural wall and some component of light i'm guessing or does the vertical farm come with its own lighting system integrated into the the hardware yeah, so uh, actually the loading isn't isn't so much of an an issue. Uh, we've just mounted one in sort of double thickness um, plasterboard, so mm. I, it, I, it it it's a consideration, but is isn't often doesn't become a limitation. But um, um, what it needs is a a either a water source that we can plumb it into for the irrigation, or uh, relatively near to a water source so that it's quite easy to get water to the um to the wall itself um but it but it's recirculating so um it doesn't need to be continually topped up um and yes it does need uh, a light source but because we're talking about edible plants they require higher intensity uh light than than some of the kind of conventional office plants would need um because it you know the light intensity does affect the growth rate and also the flavor of the plants as well the system has a, a in, integrated lighting um which needs a little bit of thought because it does come off the face of the the wall um we also use um what we call hydroponic towers which are sort of standalone units um which is li- literally a tower with plants growing out the side of it which have lights integrated again in like a, a halo effect which we can put anywhere in the office. It doesn't doesn't need to be mounted on a wall. And what are the options then in terms of um, the the actual type of foliage that that the farm is producing and the sort of nuts and bolts of all of this? At the end of the day, is it a bag of lettuce leaves? The flowers? You know, what do you, what typically are you do? You, or would you recommend growing for sort of maximum productivity and, and limited amount of maintenance required and so on? Yeah, so you, you touched on a couple of good points there. One, one, yeah, productivity is important. Um, plants that are that kind of give you the opportunity for engagement are important. Um, but also, from an operational perspective, we don't want to be going there um, too frequently to replant things that um, uh, you know. Get the, in the in the in the case of a lettuce, for instance, you 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 eat the entire lettuce head, so you end up having to replant the entire plant. So we do focus on leafy greens and herbs um you, you can grow um fruiting crops you know, tomatoes strawberries that sort of thing in in these types of systems but they do require a higher intensity of light so if for instance we're putting we have some outside space we might use outside space to to put up put up a farm wall an exterior farm wall or one of our hydroponic towers outside and in the summer you could then grow uh things like strawberries and tomatoes but in in the office we're growing things um, like a lettuce, but but also like kale, um, chard, um, both of which you cut the leaves and 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 you can leave the plant and they 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 grow back. So you can get multiple harvests of them, and they look great as well. So you know rain, rainbow chard, lots of different colours, 
um, on your wall. So they they look fantastic and they're relatively quick growing as well. Um, we also then basil's as a is a very popular one, and again you can cut the leaves and and come back and it smells fantastic. So it, particularly when you're harvesting, it creates a lovely fragrance around the office. You know, rosemary, thyme, all all the stuff that you might grow in a uh, English garden the difference being that you're growing it in the office and you can do it all year round because the office environment is a lot more stable than you know the se- seasonal environment outside in the UK um, so um, yeah in a, in, a, in, in, a, in a kind of nutshell it's leafy greens and herbs so, but then you do also have now a, a home farm alternative which would be presumably on a smaller scale that's more manageable that would, would be more of a residential product yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and um, it's worth saying that, that one of the, the main challenges with growing indoors is the lighting. Um, and, and, and so with, with the home farms, there is much about, you know, making the most of limited outdoor space that you have as they are about indoor space. Um, so in, in some homes where you have a lot of light, um, you can you know, put put one indoors, and we we have a lighting solution that supplements the light, which means that you're not reliant on natural light. Um, but if you're growing uh, outdoors on a terrace, for instance, um, then uh, you know the world's your oyster, really. And and it doesn't, you know, if you're growing outdoors, you might be just as inclined to grow flowers, uh, flat flowering plants, as you are edible plants. And and if it's sort of over winter, then you might put some evergreens in um, um, and our systems modular, which means that the plants each have an individual pot that you hang on to a, a, a frame that sits behind it. But it means that you can easily take that pot out and replant it with different plants or indeed create patterns on the wall of different colors. Um, so whatever takes your fancy, really. And I think I think um, just touching on the this concept of a pollinator pod and uh, a product productive pod and those sorts of things what we're trying to do there is just in simple terms demonstrate that you know each plant plants have different functions um um and um both in the environment but also in terms of what humans get out of them some of them are are about they look great which are the the flowering ones and and also they produce flowers so they're great for insects as well so the pollinator pods are great for attracting um insects into your garden which has the knock-on effect of pollinating other plants that you have in the garden so you start creating you know fantastic biodiversity and then the producer pods are you know edible plants so stuff that that you can cut and eat in your kitchen and replant and and off you go again um so that's that's the idea really there we just thought that was quite a fun a fun idea of bringing bringing to life the different sort of plants that you can you can grow yeah it's exciting it's, it's, it's really yeah sort of makes you want to grab one and, and get started and there's no excuses once you've sorted the, the light issue right I mean one can always complain about how hard it is to grow plants on one's terrace but in a way this is a different approach uh, you've also gone through a crowdfunding process recently so you've raised some capital what are your what are your plans in terms of rollout expansion or growing over the next few years so yeah, we we did the the crowdfunding last year, which was a, re- a fantastic success, and I think it was well timed in that um, a lot of the people that get involved in 
a lot of the investors that get involved in crowdfunding campaigns were you know spending a lot of time at home during lockdown but also we're reflecting on the sorts of things that are important and obviously um health and well-being um are you know they're they're important increasingly important to people and and i think our model resonated um with the, with the crowd so we we raised half a million pounds through that process and 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 had uh, nearly 900 in investors um contribute which was a, a fantastic uh fantastic to see um so uh, you know the the idea is that now what we want to do is really focus on getting these farms into offices but also into um uh we've got a new push recently into getting farms into co-living spaces so working with the operators of the sort of apartment buildings um and putting farms you know sort of communal farms in a, apartment buildings and helping people then also get some production going within their apartments themselves so we the the this year is all about kind of rolling that out and really demonstrating how it can can work and then sort of scaling off off the back of that so i think we'll have you know uh we we're optimistic about getting about 15 farms in um uh, over the next um 9 months or so and uh um you know that that for us would be you know a good achievement to start with it does feel like the the whole sort of biophilia movement biophilic design made its name with with office environments and and now does seem to be being adopted um probably I'd say both at the very very high end of the residential market but also with the sort of more millennial focused co-living spaces so i think i think you're on something there i think it'd be really interesting to see how you you get on with the, with the co-living um, new business strategy one final question if i may if you were to send one message out to the real estate and hospitality sector in a, in a post-covid world if you could see one change in this industry of ours over the next few years what would you ask for um i i guess i'd encourage them to listen to their customers um particularly in in the sort of residential space because um the 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 sort of uh the types of accommodation that that people have been living in um up to now it can be pretty you know that the urban world is a pretty cramped world and in a world where we're spending a lot more time at home we have to be a lot more focused on uh people's you know what they need to to live healthy lifestyles and um you know it doesn't mean you have to give them huge amounts of space but it does mean you need to give them amenities and and those amenities have to be beyond the kind of normal stuff of maybe having a gym in the basement or or what have you um it, it needs to be broader than that and um from from kind of combining those two you know the re- the residential space and the office space it's it shouldn't really be thinking about them independently because as we're seeing now the 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 concept of an office isn't isn't so much about the that that kind of physical manifestation of a building that you go and work it's about it's about where you work and the 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 kind of amenities that are provided to you to be able to work in that environment so it's joining those the kind of living environment and the working environment together and how we balance those those two things so i'd just encourage some kind of novel thinking around that space very cool i think you are you're neatly positioned to uh yeah, to make your contribution to that whole process over the next few years. Good on you. So if people want to connect, what's the best way for them to reach out to Square Mile Farms? Um, 
the numbers on phone numbers on the website there's an email address on there as well we're also very active on social so if your thing is is instagram then follow us there you can see see what we're doing we tend to put videos and pictures of what we're up to on there and by all means ping us a message and we'll get back to you uh asap all right we'll add all the uh all the urls and links through for the social media onto the uh, show notes at the end. Thanks so much for your time and best of luck for everything that's to come. Cheers, Matt. Thanks.